0: All right, question of the week this week is, how good are you at using a compass?
1: Well, now that I'm no longer a lieutenant, I am very good at using a compass.
0: So once you get a little bit higher rank, you automatically know how to use a compass to get your way around?
1: Yep, pretty much.
0: Nice. I don't think I've used a compass in... Who knows how long? Maybe Have, like you, a, ever, have you ever used a compass? I think compass? probably like a cheapy dollar store compass, but I probably didn't even actually use it to find my way. I was like, oh, hey, look, there's North. <laughs> Welcome to America the Bizarre. I'm your host, Jordan Rausch. And I'm your co-host, Jeremy Rausch. So this week, we're going to discuss the Honey War. Honey War? Yes. Which was another lesser-known civil war that happened. Say what? Yeah. I guess if you could call it a civil war, but yes. In 1816, Missouri filed its first petition to Congress for statehood. In order to be changed from a territory to an actual state, the borders needed to be defined. Surveyor John C. Sullivan was ordered by the United States Surveyor to go survey the northern border of Missouri. According to a treaty with the Osage Tribe, the northern border ran parallel across the state, starting at a point 100 miles north of the confluence of the Kansas and Missouri Rivers to the Des Moines River. John started his survey at the confluence of the Missouri and Kansas Rivers just like the treaty stated, and marked a line due north and was able to find the starting point of the Missouri border, easy peasy. However, when he started making his way east, things started to get a little messy. So when you're using a map and compass to either figure out where you're going or you're making a map, you have to take into account that there are actually three different norths.
1: Yes. Magnetic north, true north. And Perceived North?
0: (laughs) Sure. Or Grid North is what I had Ah. written down.
1: (laughs) Grid North. Yep. I knew that. I knew that because you always have to get your declination for your Grid North from your Magnetic North.
0: Yeah. Look at you. See, I didn't know this. See, I would be totally lost. No, yeah. We
1: had to do this. We had to do this in ROTC. I got lost on Paradise Ridge (laughs) many a times.
0: So... For those of you like me that don't know how to use a compass or know (laughs) that there's three different norths, apparently. Every day, the Earth rotates about its axis once, and the ends of the axes are the true north and south poles. True north on a map is the direction of a line of longitude which converges on the north pole. So that's true north wherever the North Pole is. Right. Grid north refers to the direction northwards along the grid lines of an ordnance survey map.
1: So hmm. those two are different because yes. your longitudinal lines aren't really straight lines like aren't, a grid line on a map.
0: Right, they're not going, yeah, exactly. Not arced. Yes. So the variation between grid north and true north is smallest along the central meridian of the map, and then the variation is greatest towards the edges of the map. And the center of the map is closest to true north. And then as you get further away from the center, it gets further and further away from yeah, true north. Yeah, more air. Right.
1: Yeah, because maps are flat and the earth is flat.
0: Right. And then there's... Right.
1: Are you just going to concede that the earth is flat? I
0: was trying to read my notes and I was just agreeing with you. The earth is not flat. It does that because the Earth is not flat. (laughs) Okay, and then the third north is magnetic north. Right. Magnetic north is the north that compass needles point to, or the geomagnetic north pole. The position of the geomagnetic north pole actually varies constantly and is continually moving northwestward due to adjustments in the magnetic field in the core of the Earth. The difference between magnetic north and true north is the angle of inclination on a horizontal plane referred to as a magnetic variation or... Declination. Declination. I told you I learned something. (laughs) Thanks,
1: thanks Sergeant Van, if you're listening. Aw, Sergeant Van. I hope the Academy is treating you well.
0: Each region has a unique declination, and once you know the number of degrees in that region's declination, then you can adjust between magnetic north and true north mm-hmm. and figure out where you're going. Right. So, Sullivan, either, even though he's a professional surveyor, did not take into account the different norths. All three norths. All three norths. So as he's surveying the Missouri border, and he's starting to make his way east, his marked borderline strays gradually northwards toward, instead of true east. Wow, yeah. So this, in turn, created two boundaries to be created. One that he marked on the ground, and then one that he marked on his map. So when he marked it on his map, he actually marked a parallel. Yeah. But when he marked it on the ground, it was actually sloped. Yeah, northward. Northward, yeah. So, another problem with Sullivan's marked border was how he marked the border. He would just build up mounds of dirt for markers instead of using stones or trees. So, after a few years, the rain and wind had destroyed the markers and made the exact location of the border uncertain. Let
1: me just uh, kick this pile of dirt together real fast.
0: (laughs) This should stay. (laughs) permanent enough. So, Missouri was admitted to the Union in 1821, and the northern border was officially described as the parallel of latitude, which passed through the rapids of the Des Moines River. Now, the Des Moines River doesn't actually really have any rapids of significance. Huh. It's a pretty easy going river. However, if Sullivan's survey line had actually gone true east instead of sloping towards the north, it would have intersected a set of actual rapids in the Mississippi River, which were named the Des Moines Rapids. Ah, (laughs) So confusing. (laughs) It was all very confusing, but it didn't really matter much to anybody. There were very few settlers there, and they all kind of just minded their own business.
1: They weren't going out talking to... Old Rand McNally, when his wagon came by, buying the most up-date, up-to-date map. <laughs>
0: up-to-date maps. Like, hey, thanks, does- thanks, Rand. Catch you next year. <laughs> yeah. They're like, it doesn't really matter where we are. <laughs> In 1837, the governor of Missouri, Governor Liburn W. Boggs, appointed Joseph C. Brown to resurvey the northern border of Missouri. More than likely because settlers found that land fertile, and many more were beginning to lay down roots there. Brown wanted to start his survey at the rapids of the Des Moines River, so he went out in search of them. Brown found some ripples near the town of Kiosaqua.
1: <laughs> just some ripples. <laughs>
0: well, he was like, I literally have not found any rapids. They're supposed to be around here anywhere. These, these are probably it. This mm-hmm. is it. So he just picks. He's like, that's probably... Good enough. And so he figures that those are the rapids that Sullivan mentioned in his survey. So Brown begins his survey line there. They were not the first rapids that Brown found, nor were they anything special compared to the other 11 so-called rapids that he had already seen across the river. I think (laughs) he was just tired of trying to find rapids. All right. We're going to call it. These are it. Which, like, (laughs) one. One thing, you can't just pick a random spot <laughs> and just start a survey. I mean um, apparently you can, but yeah.
1: Do you know where they started the survey of Idaho from? Where? Initial
0: point. Where's that? It's a big rock out in Cuna. Not
1: Cuna, it's Cuna.
0: But that's a big rock. Yeah. Not rapids. Also, okay. let's not use just Uh
1: well well okay, first of all, there are a lot of rocks out there.
0: Mm. Whatever his reason for choosing these rapids, that's where he started. Brown, unlike Sullivan, was able to survey a straight line across the top of Missouri. But his line ended up being around 9 miles north of the Sullivan line on the eastern end and 13 miles north of the Sullivan line on the western end. Huh.
1: So he was just...
0: So it's... He another, was just giving Missouri a just lot more another, land. Yeah. Another different land. Another different line. On June twelfth, eighteen thirty-eight, Iowa became a United States territory, and Congress passed an act to survey the boundary between Iowa and Missouri. Everybody's just kind of survey happy
1: yeah. back then. I think that was probably kind of like the uh, job core,
0: you know? Yeah, making jobs, <laughs>
1: getting surveys.
0: Apparently, it was yeah. If you had, if you were a surveyor, it makes money. You, you were making it. Federal Representative Albert Miller Leah and Dr. James Davis began this third survey in September of 1838 by finding the Des Moines Rapids that were on the Mississippi River. So they found the right rapids that were described in the Osage Treaty. Mm-hmm. So now they're starting in a different place than everybody else.
1: The third starting
0: point. Yes. So they find the rapids. From there, they attempted to follow Sullivan's line. But both of them got pretty sick, and the weather got really bad, and so they just stopped before they were able to finish their survey. So they they didn't even finish. Leah reported back to the commissioner of the General Land Office that he couldn't find the rapids that Brown mentioned in his survey. Leah told the commissioner that there were four different lines that could be considered as Missouri's northern border. The Sullivan Line. The correct east-west line that Sullivan was supposed to follow. The Brown Line, or a line south of the Sullivan Line that intersected the Des Moines Rapids on the Mississippi River. So, four different lines that could be the Missouri border, Missouri-Iowa border.
1: They put them all in a hat and they drew them. Well,
0: Leah felt that the Sullivan Line would be an acceptable border for both Missouri and Iowa, since that's kind of the real first surveyed one, (laughs) and people were just using that already anyways. Um, but he refused to state his preference to the commissioner. The commissioner's like, yeah, but what would you choose? And he's like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Since there was still no definitive decision, Missouri simply declared that the border was the brown line, which was the most northern of the four choices and gave Missouri the most land. Ooh. Yeah. So Missouri, Governor Boggs was like, okay, if you guys aren't going to make a decision, we'll make it. We'll make it. And we, and
1: we will defend this border. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. In July of 1839, Missouri officials began to enter the disputed borderlands to assess the property there for tax purposes. This upset many of the settlers there that felt that they were Iowans. Iowans? Is that the correct term for people? That- Iowans. Iowans? <laughs> Iowans. Iowans. I think that's right. Iowites? So this upset many of the Iowans or people that felt that they were Iowans. Mm -hmm. So they sent word of their disapproval to the Iowa governor, Governor Robert Lucas. Governor Lucas claimed that Iowa had jurisdiction all the way down to the Sullivan line and issued a proclamation calling for Missouri to stop encroaching into Iowa territory. Governor Boggs then issued his own proclamation declaring that Missouri had the right to use full power to enforce its jurisdiction in the area. Then Governor Lucas issued another proclamation. There's a lot of just issuing proclamation. of proclamations going on. They loved it. It was a new they, tool. Yeah. So Governor Lucas <laughs> yeah. So Governor Lucas issues another proclamation that declared that Missouri's claim of the disputed land was baloney and ordered Iowa territorial officials to enforce Iowa's laws all the way to the Sullivan Line. Governor Lucas warned his legislative assembly that this dispute may ultimately lead to the effusion of blood. (laughs) so it's getting really intense.
1: Were either of them getting laid at this time? (laughs) I feel like this is just all about, you know, measuring fallacies. Oh, it
0: totally is. (laughs) In the fall of 1839, Sheriff Uriah Gregory, his friends called him Sandy, so from now on, Instead of Sheriff Uriah, I'm just going to call him Sheriff Sandy. CC. I don't know how you get Sandy out of She-C. Uriah, but <laughs> uh, he was from Clark County, Missouri, and he went into the borderland to levy and collect taxes from the settlers there. Borderland.
1: I think it's sometimes a desolate place.
0: I mean, so <laughs> I don't you know. know. I don't know what else to call it. Disputed <laughs> land. Borderlands. It's borderlands. Wah, wah, wah.
1: <laughs> Well you have
0: me, our, our our budget is so low that we have to have Jeremy <laughs> do our sound effects. He's
1: he's going and collect and oh, I wish I knew the tax collector song from Robin Hood.
0: Oh yeah, I don't know it either, <laughs> and I can't whistle. So even if I did know
1: it, I don't own the copyrights to that song.
0: <laughs> I think it's fine since you whistled it yourself. <laughs> When Sheriff Sandy approached a group of citizens at a house raising near near Farmington, he tried to explain his reasoning for being there. Basically, he was like, hey, guys, I'm here to collect your taxes. The group of people then told Sheriff Sandy that it would be in his best interest if he went back over the border to Missouri. And so that's exactly what he did. Goodbye. <laughs> <Okay>, <laughs> Goodbye. A few Missourians then entered the borderland to cut down three or four... <laughs> to get down three or four hollow trees used by wild bees to store their honey. The honey was widely used by settlers there as sweetener, and it's a big deal to steal all that honey. So they're like, oh, you're not going to pay taxes? Well, we're going to steal all this wild honey. So take that. It's
1: just so intense. It's
0: so intense. Uh, So they don't know if it was one guy that did that or a group. But they figured it was at least this one guy that they had the name of, and so that man was held responsible for cutting down the trees and was fined in absentia a dollar fifty by the Iowa court, and the border dispute became named the Honey War. Honey War.
1: What is the crab one? Deadliest catch. <laughs>
0: Crab Wars. So what I like is that they call honey it... Honey wars. <laughs> I, I liked it that they call it the honey war, even though, like, literally nobody is... <laughs> All that happened was a tree got... <laughs> with some honey and it got cut down. Yeah, that was good it's honey. intense. Yeah. Well, I guess if, you know, if that's the Taking only our thing resources. that you have for sweetener, yeah. for, like, sugar, the yeah. only thing that makes your food taste good...
1: Yeah. You didn't have the global economy that we do today where you can... Just everything's already so full of sugar and preservatives.
0: Yeah, food back then I can't even imagine. No pumpkin imagine spice lattes.
1: Even. You know what they had? Honey.
0: Honey spice lattes.
1: Just no, just honey. They didn't. They didn't have spice. I don't think they were not eating, eating each it's other's like faces off.
0: Dandelion root spice. Yeah. They were not just eating their faces off.
1: <laughs> like in Florida, when those people were smoking spice and they started eating each other's face off.
0: No, I thought that was. Uh... That was bath salts, and that was also not in the 1800s. <laughs> we're worse now than we were back then.
1: <laughs> Way worse.
0: Way worse. Governor Boggs issued another proclamation.
1: Oh my gosh, so the, many proclamations. That base number
0: five. I don't. Four. I don't even know.
1: I think it's number four.
0: I might have even missed some proclamations. Yeah. So. Governor Boggs issued another proclamation that basically said that law enforcement needed to do their jobs and collect taxes, including land that was south of the Brown Line. You so know who
1: you want to piss off? What? Not your cops. Not your tax collectors.
0: Yeah. Well, so that November, Sheriff Sandy went back to the borderlands <laughs> to collect taxes. He's like, okay. good." Hey. Big. Governor Boggs was like, do your job. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> yeah. So so apparently the people, the Iowans, I guess you could call them or Borderlandians because we don't know technically who they are, but they heard that Sheriff Sandy was coming and they were waiting for him at what they thought was their border. So the local sheriff, Sheriff Henry Heffelman, charged Sheriff Sandy with usurpation of authority, basically saying you don't have jurisdiction here. Yep. I'm the sheriff, not you. Yep. And threw him in a jail in Muscatine. Nice. Word got back to Missouri that one of their sheriffs had been kidnapped by the local farmers up there, and Governor Boggs, which can we just talk about how his last name is Boggs? I don't know. That just doesn't seem like a real name. That <laughs> seems like a made-up name for, like, the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Governor Boggs called up the Missouri militia to rescue him the number of militia men that assembled varies in what article you read so it was anywhere from 600 men to 2500 men that's, I but a, that's still a, a lot of people a decent amount of men in the yeah. militia so hearing about the Missouri militia that was headed to Iowa in order to rescue their sheriff governor lucas called on the Iowa militia to ready themselves for war the Iowa Legislative Assembly passed a resolution that basically stated that both Governor Boggs and Governor Lucas should disband their militias and work out a compromise. The <laughs> Legislative Assembly was like, You guys, this isn't that big of a deal. Okay. We can talk about this. We can Jesus. figure this out. Hey, hey,
1: I think this is this is not this is this is not necessary. This is definitely in proportionate to we- the problem that
0: you are having. <laughs> we do not need to kill each other over this. Yeah. Um, governor lucas vetoed that resolution (laughs) and issued the following statement it is the united states and not the territory of iowa that is the party involved in this dispute with missouri which i'm i don't know he's like start the revolution yeah Governor Lucas ordered General David Willock and General O.H. Allen to form an Iowa Territorial Militia on November 23rd, 1839. The number of this militia also varies depending on what article you read. But some places say 300 and some say 1,200. But they all kind of agree that the Iowa Militia was about half half of what the Missouri Militia. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Iowans just being half-assed about it.
0: You know, they're just getting started. They're just a territory. Missouri's been a state for a little bit. Okay. So the Iowa militia headquartered themselves at Farmington and were headed by a United States Deputy Marshal. Sheriff Sandy was moved further into Iowa, away from the border, to make it harder for the Missouri militia to rescue him. I just feel so...
1: It's like a terrible game of capture the flag. I feel
0: so bad for Sheriff Sandy. He's just trying to do his job. Yeah. It was winter, and money was scarce, so many of the men joined the Iowa militia because they believed that the government would pay them for their service, but they never received a dime.
1: Weird. Somebody probably didn't process their pay.
0: They weren't even provided with any supplies, so it's December, but they don't have any tents, No blankets, no ammunition, no food.
1: Yeah, they're a territory.
0: Yeah. And it's just a militia. Yeah. So, and each militia member had to provide their own weapon. Which, this is my favorite part of this whole story. So, the weapons included blunderbusses. Do you know what a blunderbuss is? So, for those of you at home, it's just... Basically, a firearm with a short caliber, caliber barrel, which is flared at the muzzle. So even at this time, it was an old-style firearm. <laughs> it's kind of like a short shotgun, kind yes, of. Yeah. But it did was not accurate at all. Yeah. Uh, there were also flintlocks, which mm-hmm. is a firearm that uses a flint striking ignition mechanism. Yep. Also not super, very high-tech for this time. Still yeah. kind of... Old school. Old timey. Yeah. Uh, Here, and now we're going to get into the good ones. A plow coulter, which is the blade that's attached to a plow to, like, (laughs) dig up the field. So there's a plow coulter that was attached to a log chain. Which, that's terrifying. Well, run them over. (laughs) No, the guy, like, attached the plow coulter to a log chain. So he would, like, swing the log chain with this huge blade at the end of it. Uh There was also... A guy brought a homemade six-foot sword that he had cut from sheet metal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A lot of people just had their own pitchforks. Somebody brought their sausage stuffer. (laughs) Uh, Some some swords from the War of 1812. And then somebody also just had a dasher from their butter churn that they brought as their weapon. Oh, my (laughs) (laughs) god! Just like... (laughs)
1: Iowans, what is your profession?
0: Farmer! Farmer!
1: <laughs> uh, I think we're... Uh...
0: <laughs> so I don't know what the Missouri guys had, but it sounded like they actually had like good guns, at least. Yeah. Maybe they just had... It didn't say what their weapons were, so I assume that they were...
1: Decent. Decent. Uh, a step above a butter chin. <laughs>
0: yeah. So... There were no supplies, and it was December, so Governor Lucas was worried about the morale of his troops, and so he decided to camp with the troops to show that, you know, they're all in it together, the governor's here, like, high morale, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Then one Iowa commander, he didn't provide food, but he brought in five wagons of whiskey to keep his troops in good spirits. Yeah. So they were just hammered, and then... There was an Iowa, another Iowa commander who his idea was to ride behind his men with an Indian spear. And he let it be known that the first man to attempt desertion would get the spear in his back. So that guy sucked. Oh. <laughs> the guy that provided whiskey is cool. Yeah. This guy with the Indian spear sucks.
1: Yeah. I like to think of myself as a uh, whiskey giver. <laughs> You're
0: <whiskey laughs> a whiskey commander.
1: I'm a whiskey giver.
0: <laughs> so despite that one... head of the commander with the Indian spear. Morale actually was pretty high in the Iowa camp. And the battle cry of the Iowa militia was, death to the invading pukes, (laughs) which they would just like (laughs) chant while they were marching. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The Missouri militia was also battling the cold winter weather with no supplies. A group of Missouri militiamen broke into a store in LaGrange and stole food, blankets, and other supplies. The store was then later partially compensated by the state of Missouri. Right. But despite the hard conditions, the Missouri men also had a high morale and were ready to kick some Iowa booty. Mm-hmm. Back at each of the state's legislative assemblies, since the governors were obviously not interested in compromise, the legislative assemblies of Iowa and Missouri were trying to compromise with each other. On December 12th, 1839, the assemblies reached an agreement where both governors would suspend hostilities and the states would allow the United States Congress to decide on the border issue. The Missouri militia was then called back home to Missouri. Upset at how the Honey War had ended and that they weren't going to be paid,
1: <laughs>
0: the Missouri militia, um, Some no, this is Missouri militia, they weren't getting paid either. Yeah. They were like, we didn't get to kill anybody. We're not getting paid. Yeah. We had to steal supplies.
1: I got this fancy can-fangled gun (laughs) that I bought.
0: It's so cold. (laughs) So they were upset. So some Missouri militiamen took a quarter of a deer that they had shot earlier, divided it into two pieces, and hung both pieces up in a tree. One piece of meat was labeled Governor Lucas, and the other piece of deer was labeled Governor Boggs. The Missouri men then riddled both pieces of deer with bullets. One participant said, We fired a few rounds at them until we considered them dead. Dead.
1: (laughs) D-E-D. Dead.
0: The militia then took the deer meat out of the tree and gave them mock military funerals with full honors. I don't really know what's going on here. I don't get the point of all this. Uh,
1: Somebody brought in some more whiskey. That's what happened.
0: (laughs) So... Another militia man said they were interred by the honor of war. We fired over their graves and then returned the encampment. And so then, after that, they all went back home back to their homes in Missouri. So word that the honey war was over had still not reached the Iowa militia. so <laughs>
1: the storm in <and> the border
0: <laughs> So they were getting wondering why the Missouri militia hadn't attacked yet. Yeah, like, we haven't seen them. We haven't heard from them. Where are they? We're waiting for them. So they sent one of their guys out to find why the Missourians hadn't attacked. That guy came back with word that the war was over and that the Missouri militia had been disbanded. So the Iowa militia figured there was nothing else to do, and they disbanded as well and went back home. And when they got back home, everybody made so much fun of them. <laughs> why? They are like, this was so dumb. This was the dumbest thing. Especially because all those guys just volunteered. They like, yeah. didn't have to. Yeah, They didn't get paid for it. It yeah. was just dumb. They basically just went and got drunk in the woods.
1: Yeah, that's why <laughs> I don't know why it was so dumb. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. They took their pitchforks you know, and then got hammered. Yeah,
1: exactly. You, you always got to make time for yourself.
0: <laughs> There's that one guy.
1: You got <laughs> to do things that... That keep you centered.
0: It's probably that one guy that stole his wife's butter churn. <laughs> and she was like, I couldn't make any butter while you were gone.
1: So we've been eating dry toast. <laughs> yeah.
0: We have no honey, and then we don't have any butter. So then, Sheriff Sandy was then set free from Iowa and allowed to go back home to Missouri. The state of Missouri paid him two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> and seventy-five cents for his troubles, which would be almost six thousand dollars today. So, $6,000 for being kidnapped. (laughs) I don't think it's worth it. (laughs) I hope he got another job. Yeah. So, even though both states had agreed to let Congress determine the border, Governor Boggs refused to cooperate, stating that Congress could not alter the constitutional limits of this state. The states continued to fight over the placement of the border for six years in Congress. A delegate from Iowa stated that it was not only land and taxes that was at stake in using the brown line, but it would also place several thousand people that opposed slavery into a state that had laws permitting slavery. So Mm -hmm. Iowa was a free state and Missouri was a slave state. So there's all these people living in these borderlands that are anti-slavery. And if it becomes Missouri, then they're then in a slavery state. Which is a big deal.
1: Yeah, that's huge.
0: The states eventually took their dispute all the way to the Supreme Court in 1847. SCOTUS. After Iowa had achieved statehood in 1847. So Iowa achieved statehood, then they take it all the way to the Supreme Court. On April 6th, 1849, the Supreme Court released their decision stating... And this court doth therefore see proper to decree and doth accordingly order a judge and decree that the true and proper northern border of the state of Iowa is the line run and marked in 1816 by John C. Sullivan. as The,
1: the, the, the northern c- line in Iowa?
0: I guess it, I, I copied this from where I found it, but it would be the northern boundary of Missouri.
1: So it would be the southern border of yeah.
0: Iowa. Um, is the line run and marked in 1816 by John C. Sullivan, so the crooked line, as the Indian boundary from the northwest corner made by said Sullivan, extending eastwardly as he run and marked the said line to the middle of the Des Moines River, and that a line due west from said northwest corner to the middle of the Missouri River is the proper dividing line between the said state of the foresaid corner, and that the states of Missouri and Iowa are bound to conform their jurisdiction up to said line on their respective sides thereof, from the River Des Moines to the River Missouri. Joseph C. Brown of Missouri and Henry B. Hendershot of Iowa were appointed to work together to resurvey the Sullivan Line and to plant cast-iron pillars that were 4 feet 6 inches tall with a base of 12 inches along the border. The word Missouri was on the south side of the pillar, The word Iowa on the north side, and the word state line were on east and west sides. The pillars were placed every 10 miles along the border, and the cost of the survey and pillars would be split equally between Missouri and Iowa. The Supreme Court then received word that Joseph C. Brown had died, so Robert W. Wells was appointed to take his place. The final pillar was put into place in 1851, 35 years after Sullivan's first survey. An Iowa settler said of the border decision, I'm sure glad the Supreme Court decided that I live in Iowa. I'm a farmer, and I never did want a farm in Missouri. The Missouri <laughs> land ain't near as good as ours. <laughs> she, I mean, you keep... I don't know. Let's not try to explain to him that he this farm is the same. <laughs> it doesn't no matter, matter what, what he it. calls it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, cheap. Now I'm a farmer in Missouri. Yeah.
0: That's Guess I better move to <laughs> Iowa. Oh man, I didn't want a farm in Missouri, <laughs> but that's the uh, that's the Honey War.
1: The Honey War.
0: One of the lesser known Civil Wars <laughs> of America. That was
1: intense. I'm surprised <laughs>
0: they got real riled up. Really, yeah. it was the governors. Yeah.
1: I think it was probably the booze.
0: But they had they drank way too much whiskey. Yeah. They should have slowed down on the whiskey. Yeah, you, you know, you know, I'm I'm thinking
1: that that there Missouri governor, he thinks he's governor all that, all that, and sack of potatoes.
0: I just like that. Uh, one of my favorite parts is that Governor Lucas is like, "It'll be war," and the legislative <laughs> assembly was like, "No,", no and he don't. was like, "I veto your decision to not there not be war." <laughs> He started, I'm taking Merde whiskey. Like, war, 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 yeah. war, war. He's like whiskey, yeah. whiskey. But that's that's the honey war. Mm. So my sources for this story were "The Honey War" by Craig Hill. One sloppy land surveyor almost caused a war between Missouri and Iowa by Sarah Laskow. What Are the Differences Between True North, Grid North, and Magnetic North by John Miyashi. The History of Missouri by David D. March. The Honey War by Eric McKinley Erickson. Iowa Through Time by Sirenus Sirenus Cole. The Heritage of Missouri, A History by Dwayne Meyer. A New History of Missouri by by Frederick Arthur Comer. Iowa Inside Out by Herbert V. Hake. If you guys would like to support this podcast, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can also support us by donating to the podcast if you go to patreon.com and search for America the Bizarre. I'll also link the Patreon page in the show notes. Um, Let us know where you listen to this podcast. Tag us in pictures of where you listen and or take pictures of where you listen and tag us on social media. We have um, bonus episodes on the Patreon page for you to listen to. We're going to start getting more and more bonus content up there too. And we have a Facebook page for you to suggest episode topics for us to talk about New history, old history, the episodes, anything you have to say, <laughs> Jeremy? All right. And that blank looks, <laughs> that blank look, I think means that this episode is over. <laughs> so until next time, say weird America. America.